Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome back to Off the Shelf here on Breadbox Media. With us today is Christine Watkins, and we're going through her book of Men and Mary, How Six Men Won the Greatest Battle of Their Lives. And Christine, you start off with the story of Father Michael Leitner. I was wondering if you'd give us an overview of his story. So Michael Leitner, he was raised in a very Catholic family, and he resented everything supposedly being shoved down his throat, as as many teenagers do. And so he'd get passive-aggressive and doze off during their evening rosary and such. And when it came time to go off to college, he thought, freedom! <laughs> and he had girlfriends and became a bouncer at a rock club. And he had a dream for himself. And he wanted to be a professional football player. And that wasn't a pipe dream because... At age 14, he was about 286 pounds, six foot three, something like that. I mean, my kid is 100 pounds. Michael could sit on him and not know he had done so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he that's all he ever wanted. And he got into some drug use. And when he came back from college for a Thanksgiving break and was taking a nap, he woke up to a bag of his own marijuana dangling over his head with his sister sitting on the side of the bed and his mom, who was a Medjugorje devotee and always traveling there, crying. And his sister said, busted. Now, the mother had always wanted her family to travel to Medjugorje, and she was falling in love with God, the church, and the Blessed Mother even more because of it. And so the sister said, hey, now you have to go to Medjugorje. And he (laughs) said, heck no, I ain't going. And his mother said, yes, you are. And his mother won the fight, and they end up in Medjugorje. And she said, son, there's only one thing I ask of you while you're here, that you go to confession. If not for you, if not for God, then for me. And he agreed. And he's in the confessional, huge guy in this tiny confessional. And he thinks, I'm going to make this priest's ears bleed. So he he thinks he can shock the priest and wasn't able to uh, by all of his sins. And the priest, when he said the words of absolution, Michael felt a presence in the room in the little tiny confessional. 
And suddenly this man who could bench press 400 pounds was with his knees in front of him and his calves tucked underneath him, his upper body was thrust back suddenly at a 30 degree angle and his head hit the back of the confessional and he was frozen, absolutely immobile. He couldn't move a muscle. And then he felt a spiritual spear dive into his heart. And when it was yanked out, all his sins were yanked out and it was a painful um, release And he walked out of that confessional, went into St. James Church in Medjugorje, and then was suspended in ecstasy for about 20 minutes, where he said, the greatest high, the greatest joy, the greatest pleasure I ever felt was nothing compared to what I was experiencing in those 20 minutes. Mm. So you can imagine that his life wasn't the same after that. And his mother said, okay, would, would, after they got home, would you like to go again six months later? And this time he said, absolutely. So they go again, and Michael ends up at a healing service in a nearby town where Medjugorje pilgrims used to go. And priests were praying over pilgrims, and this one priest was kneeling before a woman in a wheelchair whose spinal cord had been severed from a car accident six months earlier and spinal meningitis had set in. So the lower half of her body was completely atrophied. There's no way she could walk. Her legs were the circumference of Michael's wrist. And he was a catcher. People were Uh, being slain in the spirit, getting healings, and all sorts of beautiful things are happening, and he was helping out. And he was sitting next to this woman thinking, okay, this is pointless. Why is this priest spending so much time and he wanted to leave, but he felt God the Father making him stay there? And he couldn't leave this, this scene of this priest praying over and over again over this woman in the wheelchair. And so He's fed up and full of arrogance and prays flippantly, what, Lord, what do you want? You want me to pray for this woman? And there was silence. And he said, well, then I will. Get her up out of her wheelchair. Show us your power. And then he heard God speak. And he heard the words, Michael, if I get this woman up and make her walk, will you enter the seminary? And he said, absolutely not. And then 20 minutes pass, and he's squirming. He's agonizing. He's got this. At this point, he has an NFL career ahead of him. He's Mm -hmm. two years away from entering the draft. He's like, I'm not crazy. I'm not giving up my dream. But finally, his heart warms a little, little, and he thinks to himself, well, it would be kind of cool to see her get up and walk. But he decided to change the rules. So he said, okay, Father, if you get her up out of her wheelchair and walk her around this entire church, then I'll enter the seminary. In five seconds, she's up on her feet without anyone telling her to do so. She grabs the back of her wheelchair and she starts taking a walk around (laughs) the church. And Michael's thinking, why are you doing this? Somebody stop her. Somebody tackle her. So he's wandering in desperation at this point. And then he just changes the deal again. And he says, okay, okay. If she doesn't step on that tile in the front of the church, I'm not going. And the woman comes to the front of the church. She plants both feet on that very tile and then plops back down in her seat. (laughs) So (laughs) there was the calling. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of funny things about that story. One is 
we often put these uh, benchmarks in front of God, like like He can't achieve those. He, Father Michael did a number of times in that story with with just the lady in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, how about this? How about that? How about the other thing? Right. And the other thing, and I don't want to pull a quote here from from the Father's section of the book. As you noted, Father loved football. He dreamed of playing for my team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. But <laughs> he closes the chapter with this. Quote, I thank God to this day that, it, that I did not play football because in this world there are so many distractions from God. American football was a distraction for me. Priesthood, on the other hand, is life for me and life to the fullest. End quote. Now, obviously, everyone isn't going to become a priest, but there is real gold buried in those two lines that, that are in that chapter. And that is that the world's full of distractions. What can we do to be like Father Michael and push those aside and fulfill what our true calling is? I think a major problem in our society right now is the lack of silence. I think uh, the devil's in the distractions. And if we remember that, will realize that that pull on us as human beings is very, very intense and made more intense through technology right now. Mm-hmm. So because we, at the click of a button, at a YouTube video, uh, a text, a this or that, we God is trying to reach us, and he has beautiful plans for all of our lives, no matter what we've done in the past. It, it doesn't matter. He's got a beautiful plan from today forward. But if we wake up and instead of praying in silence for at least at least five minutes, I mean, better yet, a half hour, if we don't give him any time, if what we first do when we wake up is check our cell phone, and if, if what we do before we go to bed is watch TV, it's not going to happen. Our life purpose is going to be lost because we spent our time being entertained or absorbed in the media and in technology and in all this stuff that distracts or people we shouldn't be dating, you know, or obsessions or addictions. Um, these were never God's will for us. And I think American culture is basically distracted. Mm-hmm, for sure. So let's move on. And the next story you have in the book is of Father Rick Wendell. And Father Rick's story himself is, is incredible. By all medical accounts, he died and ultimately became a priest. So can you tell us a bit about Father Rick's journey? Father Rick, uh, well, Rick, as a child, was a, a real daredevil. I mean, this kid, he fought his friends with uh, BB guns, and they played toss with fireworks. And it blew off his friend's hand. He, he, I mean, he had broken this and that, and he would do bicycle stunts, you know, flying off of cliffs with a Schwinn with a banana seat. His mother was just trying to keep him alive. And he says, you know, I didn't, his mother loved him, but he said, my dad would only tell me he loved me after downing a bottle of champagne at Christmas time. So he was, he was a rebel. He did very well in school, Could uh, succeeded at anything worldly he tried to do. He became so successful in the world that not only did he have many women, but finally settled on a woman he wanted to marry. But he had several cars, motorcycles, a, a waterfront property. He owned his own construction business. I mean, by all 
standards that the world gives us, he was successful. And he he's 30 years old, and he suffers a accident, another one. I mean, his body's been through hell by this point. But a large railroad nail that he hammers flies up and hits him in the cheek. And his mom takes him because he knew he shouldn't drive himself to the hospital to get stitched. He gets stitched. He's fine. They stop by a grocery store on the way home from the hospital. And the mom, he stays in the car while the mom goes into the store. And suddenly he's not feeling at all well. His heart begins to race. He runs into the store and collapses. And he, what happened was, the paramedics took him out immediately, but he went, he had an anaphylaxis reaction to the anesthesia for his stitches and he died. He was very healthy and just died. And so he coded, his heart stopped, stopped breathing in the ambulance. And he talks about what happened at that moment. He says, I can remember passing out in the store entrance. Then my next recollection is of lying on my back with a man leaning over the top of me, pushing on my chest, but I couldn't feel it. This didn't disturb me. I simply took note of it. So he's looking up at an IV bag. He's he's in the ambulance, but then suddenly his soul goes through the scene. He says, soon I was amidst this light. Intuitively, I understood that I was in the presence of God. I didn't simply think this. I knew this beyond and before any question I ever had. And then he talks about what it was like to be in this presence. He says, the most profound part of my experience by far was knowing that God is love. Never had I realized that I could be loved like that with a love so perfect, so pure, so intense, so marvelous that nothing else mattered. My dad loved me, but he hadn't been able to express it because his own father had not taught him how to love, nor his father before him. I was the first child who leapt in my mother's womb, a child she named after her beloved father. Mom adored me and was the image of love in our family. Yet nothing was like this. I was in the presence of a love so intense that I didn't care about anything else. There was no need for anything else. This love was absolutely fulfilling in every way. A love that I had always looked for but never found. A love one would never want to be separated from. So, as you can imagine, that was the beginning for him, too. And he ends up in Medjugorje, where he has what's called an illumination of conscience, God revealed to him all of his sins. And that purified him so much because he was going to go to hell. And he also had an experience of what that would have felt like. And he said, it's terrifying. He said that he chose hell without consciously knowing that he had. And he says, I would not wish this experience on my worst enemy. Because so he felt in his soul the complete abandonment and separation from God and others without the hope of ever being reunited. Mm. And so he ends up, it's it's rather humorous, Um, (laughs) he ends up meeting Jesus in Medjugorje, literally meeting the Lord. And so he's in this experience 
of standing in his presence. And he sees Jesus, and Jesus doesn't say anything to him, but he says, I want you, he communicates in his soul, soul to soul, I want you to be a priest. And he says, wait a minute, I can't be a priest because you've got to be kidding. You know, you make those guys, you put them in good Catholic families, you have them coming out of an altar boy shoot, and boom, they're priests. (laughs) That's not me. I've never, I never thought of this even once. And he says, he says, I want you to be a priest. And he says, wait a minute, I'm engaged to be married. The country club is rented. The dress is bought. Critical (laughs) critical mass has been achieved uh not going back here and then this is what jesus says to him and he says and i'm the biggest sinner ever he says and we've just been through this (laughs) (laughs) and jesus says i know what i'm doing and walks away so father rick his and now he's not he couldn't be happier but he couldn't have ever fathomed at that moment that that's what would make him happiest and most fulfilled. Mm. Quite a story. And we're going to take another quick break. There's more to come. You've been listening to Off the Shelf here on Breadbox Media, and we'll be right back. 